Let us pray together. God of the ages, you are before us, with us, and beyond us. Lead us, we pray, from winter to spring, from night to day, from darkness to light, from slumber to consciousness, from an old year to a new beginning. May your renewing spirit birth forth into our lives with forgiveness, fresh vision, and blessed hope through the resurrecting power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're all doomed. I don't know whether you remember that catchphrase from Private James Fraser the Home Guard platoon member and undertaker, first portrayed by John Laurie in BBC's Dad's Army. We're all doomed. Well, you could be forgiven for thinking that that could be a catchphrase of Jeremiah too. He lived through turbulent times uh, of repeated political and moral crises in Judah. It was during the late 7th and early 6th century BC that he'd witnessed Israel disintegrating morally and spiritually. In the Old Testament book that bears his name, there's a dominant theme of national sinfulness, but also looming judgment. And Jeremiah's 40-year ministry spanned the final years of Judah's existence as an independent nation. And the prophet continually warned his people, his nation, that they should yield to Babylon, a nation through whom he believed God was going to discipline his people. Now, Jeremiah's message, therefore, wasn't very popular or well-received because he became known as a prophet of doom. You all know when we talk about a Jeremiah what we're saying in that. He was considered a traitor too, so much so that his life was threatened. And Jeremiah was also called the weeping prophet because of the personal anguish that he knew in his ministry. Yet despite all this, his words actually proved eventually to be true. In time, Jeremiah witnessed the trauma of the utter devastation and destruction of Jerusalem, including the temple that he and many other godly Jews loved. But Jeremiah didn't totally believe we were all doomed. He also looked beyond this too, to the ultimate restoration under a Messiah from the house of David, who we know to be Jesus. Faith in the Lord, he believed, was more than religious observance. It was about the heart. It was about being obedient, acting with compassion and justice and faithfulness. And he was calling people to those things because he believed it would change the situation. Jeremiah knew that the Lord was a God of mercy. Hence his repeated calls to people to repent a reminder of that relationship that God wanted with his people. He didn't want them wandering off and doing their own thing. He wanted them in a relationship with him. 
And today, we concentrate on that passage in Jeremiah 16. It's the chapter from where we get our motto for the year. I hope you've looked at your motto, and if you haven't got a copy, we'll make sure that you get a copy. Uh, The prophet at that time was raising an alarm. He sounded the alarm, and it was one of those warnings to God's people that judgment was coming upon the nation of Judah, but also the city of Jerusalem. It was a warning that military enemies would bring destruction on God's people. Yet despite the alarm that was raised by Jeremiah with horn that was blown, people hadn't seen the clouds gathering. So they dismissed his words of warning. Don't listen to Jeremiah. Don't do what he says. It'll be fine. Well, Jeremiah presented God's people with an opportunity to change direction, but they didn't listen. I wonder, at the beginning of this new year, whether we're really listening for the word of the Lord to this generation, to this church. I mean, really listening. I wonder if we are prepared to change our ways quite radically if it were necessary for us to do so. MCHW's motto, which you can now see on the screen, is Jeremiah 6, verse 16. This is what the Lord says, Jeremiah's words, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Now, we're living in very different times to Jeremiah, but it's clear that we're living in turbulent times just as Jeremiah was. And it's no good us as a church or as a nation just saying, it'll be fine. We can carry on just as we were before. I believe we are at a crossroads for our generation and for a church and for the Methodist church. Unless we are faithful, we may unwittingly weep the consequences of our self-sufficiency and perhaps the moral and spiritual poverty of these days. A new year should bring the idea of a crossroads into a sharper focus. It's a natural time for us to pause and reflect and say, what have our achievements been over the past year? What have our shortcomings been? And what about our future commitments? What are they to be, if you like, our spiritual New Year resolutions? Think about the lessons that we've learned through the pandemic. Think about our failures or unfulfilled expectations or the challenges that we felt coming to us through this time. Well, at this crossroads, and I really do believe we are at one, Jeremiah said, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Now, the word stand means remain stationary or to rest without disturbance. When I go and visit my family in America, 
Uh, we're in the car, and Francis has to remind me all the time <laughs> that they have different uh, traffic uh, laws in America, uh, all sorts of things, but one of them is that when you get to a white solid line and a stop sign, even if it's clear, you have to stop. Okay? You see, I like to keep rolling, looking, nothing coming, vroom, off you go. Well, that's against the law. When it says stop, it actually means you really have to stop. The wheels have to stop turning. Now you think, well, what's the point? I know where I'm going. There's nothing coming. Well, here, the sense is we are to stop at the crossroads. That doesn't mean briefly pause and then go off. It means really stopping. It means standing a while at the junction and then Jeremiah says, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. So today is an opportunity for us to reflect on the paths that have been taken by the saints that have gone before us, the ancient paths, if you like. Now, those paths might be different from today. We're living in very different times. But how did they walk their path? What can we learn from the people of God in the past? In our Methodist tradition, the ancient paths include the ways of scriptural holiness, perfect love, social justice, evangelical faith and salvation through Christ alone, God's grace for all people. Have we lost our way with any of those emphases of our tradition of faith? because we've lost our identity or our confidence as a Methodist people? Do we at times forget our heritage as a Methodist people? What were we raised up for? Now, I don't think we do everything as has been done in the past. Uh, that would be a nonsense. We believe in a God who is making all things new. But there's something about those traditions of faith that we can actually adopt and walk in a new way and embrace them as we go into a new future. And God can lead us into that new future. But we have to actually not say, yeah, yeah, I know what all that's about, I'm just going to go for it. We need to stop. The crossroads is a critical point of decision about the choices we do or we don't make. They can be, mean life and fruitfulness, or even death and extinction for the people called Methodists. Remember, we are a denomination in decline. How can the future be different for us, for God's people? Well, as I look and listen through the lives of the saints and the words of the covenant service, I hear a message coming through about yielding in humility to God's will. Not our own will, but God's will. 
rather than asking God to bless the plans that we make. We know what's been done in the past. We're going to just do more of that. Bless it, Lord. Or, actually, I've got a bright idea. Bless it, Lord. What we want to know is what he wants with us, with our church, with our families. And that's hard. It's much easier to take the path that we've mapped out because we know where we think the journey's going to end. It's harder to ask where the good way is that God has for us. It's even harder to agree to walk in it. And yet that is what I believe God is asking us to do in this covenant service. And as we do that, we will find rest for our souls, even though it's hard, even though we don't quite know where we're going. As we reach that crossroads, look at that picture. Which way is the Lord leading? There are choices. The problem is we're prone to saying, I know best. Uh, I remember once going on a, a family holiday with my children, and they said, do you really know where you're going, Dad? I said, yes, I do. And as we kept going and it became abundantly clear, I hadn't got a clue where I was going. They said, Dad, do you really know where you are going? Trust me, I'm a minister, I said. <laughs> but the problem is, we want to be in control. We want people to think well of us. And if we're asked to go in a different direction, we can sometimes be like a child. You know when a child doesn't want to do what it wants to do? Crosses their arms, stamps their feet, says no. Could it be that we act a little bit like that? Perhaps in a little bit more sophisticated ways. But we say, actually, no, this is my life. I want to live it as I want to live it. But I think God is saying, you need to yield to me. Sometimes yielding means trusting the one who knows best. Trusting in wisdom that is eternal and beyond us. It means yielding out of love and nothing else. And trusting in God's grace and ultimate providence for us. The late Archbishop Desmond Tutu became a global icon. And he did that not by becoming uh, or towing a popularist line, getting lots of likes on social media, but by following what in Christ he knew to be the right and just way. The arch, as he was known, yielded to God's will in order to serve humanity. It wasn't about him. It was about God and how he could best serve humanity and bring about the rainbow nation that he dreamed about. Our gospel lesson, Jesus is making it very clear that we need to remain in him or abide in him. Remember those words Francis read for us? No branch can bear fruit by itself. I'm going to do it my way. No, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. In other words, if we go and do our own thing, we're not going to be fruitful. 
even though it may be the tough and unknown future, if we remain in the vine, then we have every chance of bearing the fruit that God intends for us. But abiding in Christ, yielding in Him, allowing Him to prune us if necessary, is sometimes tough. The covenant prayer is all about, therefore, submission to God's will. And it means an obedient act of the will to do just that. Going our own way may seem easy, but it will not necessarily be the right way. So why not put your motto card on your fridge or somewhere where you will see it every day and pause for a moment each day and say it as a prayer. If you haven't got one, please do see us. We'll make sure that you get one. If you want them to give to your friends and family, come and get them. We've got plenty of them. But be reminded of that opportunity to stop, look, Listen, remember the heritage of our faith within which we stand and choose prayerfully how we proceed. The covenant service at the beginning of a new year is in the context of Holy Communion, of course. And so we remember God's grace and forgiveness. We may have messed up in the past, but God's grace is there. Remember that he will sustain you for the journey ahead. We feed on him. And remember his faithfulness to you, which can inspire our faithfulness in return. Do you remember those well-known words that were quoted by King George VI in a Christmas broadcast in 1939? I'm sure you remember it, Lansford. Uh, he was quoting the words of Minnie Louise Haskins. <laughs> I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, Give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. The challenge is for us to place our hand in the hand of God and be open to his leading but we have to stop first. So Jeremiah said it, and I'm reiterating it, and as a church, I want us to hold it as a promise for the year. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and we will find rest for our souls. Amen. Let us just keep a moment of silence before I lead us with the preparation for covenant. God made a covenant with the people of Israel, calling them to be a holy nation chosen to bear witness to his steadfast love by finding delight in the law. The covenant was renewed in Jesus Christ, our Lord, in his life, work, death, and resurrection. In him, 
all people may be set free from sin and its power and united in love and obedience. In this covenant, God promises us new life in Christ. For our part, we promise to live no longer for ourselves, but for God. Then let us seek forgiveness for the sin by which we have denied God's claim upon us. Let us pray. God of mercy, hear us as we confess our sins. For the sin that has made us slow to learn from Christ, reluctant to follow him and afraid to bear the cross. Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive. For the sin that has caused the poverty of our worship, the formality and sinful selfishness of our prayers, our neglect of fellowship and the means of grace, and our hesitating witness for Christ. Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive. For the sin that has led us to misuse your gifts, evade our responsibilities, and fail to be good stewards of your creation. Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive. For the sin that has made us unwilling to overcome evil with good, to tolerate injustice, quick to condemn, and selfish in sharing your love with others. Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive. We say together, have mercy on me, O God, in your constant love, in the fullness of your mercy, blot out my offenses, wash away all my sin, and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Give me the joy of your help again, and strengthen me with a willing spirit. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Therefore, to all who truly repent, this is his gracious word, your sins are forgiven. Amen. Thanks be to God.